Would you go ahead and open in the Bible with me to uh, one opening, Mark the seventh chapter this evening. Mark chapter seven. There's something that in uh, praying, which I've done some extra of these last several days, believing God for direction, seeing what He wants to do with us. There's something actually for the past month that the Lord's been dealing with me about. And it's from this passage that we're about to read. And um, he's told me two major things about this church and this work so far. I'm believing he'll tell me much more. But, uh, you know, sometimes instead of clamoring for the Lord to tell you something else, you just need to make sure that you're doing what he's already told you to do. And uh, so many times you're not going to get anything else until you do what he's already said. One thing we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Sunday is uh, he said, dedicate and sanctify this place to him. Set it apart to him. Dedicate it to him for his purpose, and his use. And we're going to do that in a more pronounced way Sunday morning. How many think that's a good idea? And uh, as the one that will be responsible for leadership, I'm... Since he said that to me, I'm going to be watchful as to what happens in here and uh, see to it that it's what he wants. And uh, secondly, and this is something that's been going on for, like I said, about a month or so, the Lord's been dealing with me about this passage of Scripture and how that this is to be a foundation. So I may start tonight, and we may continue on this for some time on these Friday evenings, because uh, I believe there's a foundation to be laid here. And it's not just for the church, it's for your life. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Christians that have a lot of problems in their life that we shouldn't have. And sometimes it's because of confusion, it's because of ignorance. But I want you to see something that Jesus specified was and is a major, major problem in Christians' lives, and it's simple to get fixed. Now, you can't fix it overnight, but it's simple to start on the right path, getting it corrected. Mark chapter 7, are you there? In Mark 7, let's start reading. It says, Then came together to him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the, his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots and brass vessels and of tables. And then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Jesus, Why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but you eat bread with unwashing hands? Now you remember who they're talking to here. They're talking to Jesus. And they're taking him to task because he doesn't wash like they do. Hmm? Wonder if that kind of thing still happens today. It wouldn't be in the Bible if it didn't apply to us. These guys were big on washing stuff. They washed cups, they washed pots, 
They washed beds and chairs and they washed their hands frequently. They must have believed that cleanliness is next to godliness. Do you know that that is not a verse? Hmm? No. There were times when Jesus sat down to eat and didn't wash his hands. And he probably did it on purpose. And they got all upset and they got stirred up about it. And they're calling him to task. And basically they're saying, why don't you do like we do? Why don't you and your disciples keep the traditions? Everybody say traditions. Keep the traditions like we do. Now, over a period of time, they had come to believe that this was an essential part of serving God, was keeping your pots clean. Do you suppose anything like that is true today in Christian circles? You know, Phyllis and I have had the opportunity to travel and be in a lot of different churches, a lot of different ministries. I mean, all kind of denominations, you know, Baptist and Presbyterian and Lutheran, and all, you know, Pentecostal as well as the charismatic and faith folks. And I mean, I've wound up in some places. We were up in New England a while back. And uh, these places were not at all what you'd call charismatic. I was the first guest speaker they had had outside their denomination in 60 years. It was a great big cathedral. It was big stained glass and very, very reserved. Nobody said amen. Nobody raised their hand. And uh, over at a certain point, the pastor said uh, it was hot in there. And he said, gentlemen, now is the appropriate time to remove your jackets. That's how rigid it was. In other words, if you're not going to take it off now, don't take it off. But uh, we had good services in there. Some good things happened. Some people came to the Lord. Some people got touched and got healed. And some other things happened. And uh, at the door, as I stood with the pastor and people came filing out on these big stone steps, uh, it was interesting the way they did it. Uh, people would come by and they'd reach out and take my hand and they'd lean up real close and they'd say, Thank you. I got healed last night. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing that we have found, you know, in going to other places, they'll do things differently than we did in our church where we came from. And sometimes when that happens, uh, you think, "Mm -mm. no, no, we don't do it that way. And you assume that must not be the right way. I, we were in a place one time, and they were doing some things radically different than we would do it. And I was just sure that the Lord couldn't bless that, because that's not the way we did But if you know Him, you recognize Him. No matter what group or, or culture or background or language. How many understand the Holy Ghost is sa- the same? whether he's manifesting through somebody in Mexico or Argentina or South Africa, he's the same. And if you know him, you'll recognize him. Even though the outside things, the trimmings, can be really, really different. And so in looking at some of these things, I was just sitting there thinking, well, you know, God can't move in this. And he would move. And I was like, wow, he did move. And then some other things would happen. I think, well, that'll grieve the Holy Ghost. He won't like that. And then he moved. And I thought, well, if it's okay with him, 
It better be okay with me. And I have come to find that he, the Spirit of God, is very accommodating. He meets people where they are and he works with us where we are. And I've also come to find the more I grow that a whole lot of the things that we think, well, this is God, this is how he does it. A lot of it is just our ways. And God tolerates a lot of it. (laughs) And a lot of things he does, not because of the way we do it, in spite of the way we do it, but he loves us so much He blesses us as much as he can without putting his approval on stuff that's wrong. Well, these guys had come to believe that it was very important to God that they washed everything really good. And they called Jesus to task and they said, basically they're saying, you guys are wrong because you don't wash everything like we do. They're telling Jesus this. And verse 5, the Pharisees and scribes asked him, and they said, Why don't your disciples walk according to the tradition of the elders, but you eat bread with unwashing hands? Now, I know I'm belaboring the point, but understand how they're saying this. They're saying this like this is a terrible sin. You're eating with dirty hands. Now, that sounds strange to us. But the Lord's been ministering to me that we have some of the same kind of things. Traditions. The word tradition means things that have just been passed down. I know when I first went to Bible school, I had only been there a few months. And and in a time of prayer, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but he spoke to my heart. He said, examine everything you believe. Why do you believe it? Now, that's a bigger job than you might think. But I understood every time I realize something I believe, I'm to ask myself, why do I believe that? And here's the next question. Where is it at in the Bible? Where is it at? And he made it clear to me, if I cannot find it, then it is not something I should have in my life. It's not something I should stand and say, I believe this. Well, I was in those days, you know, beginning reading the scripture a lot extra and just trying to get to know the Bible some. And so there would be things that come up and I think, well, I believe that. Sure, I I believe that since I was a little boy. And so the question came up, why do you believe that? And I thought, well, I know it's in the Bible. Uh, And I looked. I looked in the New Testament and couldn't find it. I looked in the Old Testament and couldn't find it. I looked in the the index and the maps and the concordance and I couldn't find it. And I thought, well, I know it's in there. Because, you know, the people in my church preach that and uh, my relatives believe that. I've always believed that. Everybody knows that's the way it is. And the Lord said, where's it at? Where's the scripture at? Finally, on this one particular thing, I had to come to the conclusion I had no scripture for it. I could not find it in the Bible. I had heard a preacher 20 years ago say it from the pulpit, and I decided, well, that's fine. And the Lord has been dealing with me, and we're, so we're starting in this vein tonight to do this, and I'm asking you to, and if you come back, you're going to hear me say this again and again. 
I, you know, that old commercial, what was it, years ago, where that little lady would go up to the hamburger place and she'd say, where's the beef? Remember that? Well, I want you to modify that a little bit. Where's the verse? You know what I mean by that? Where's the scripture? Where's the word? I want you to begin to examine in your life what you believe and why you believe that. Where's the verse? Notice what Jesus said to them. He said, verse 6, Well has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it's written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's not just about how loud you praise God. Where's your heart? How be it, notice this, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. See, teaching for Bible teachings, teachings for doctrine that we base our life on, but just teaching the commandments of men. One said rules of men. He goes on to say, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said to them, Full well you reject or set aside the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Jesus said to them, He said, You make the word of God of none effect. By your traditions. What a statement. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word won't pass away. Everything we see was made by the word of God, the scripture says. But is there something of such negative effect and force that it can render the word of God of no good in your life? Jesus said it is tradition. Rules of men Things that people have decided they believe and have taught sometimes for generations. And because people have always believed that, they decide, well, that's Bible. I was uh, talking about some things one time that a lady found some issue with, and she came up to me. She said, no, 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 that's not the way it is. And I quoted a scripture to her. She said, well, yeah, yeah. She said, but it's just like the song says. I said, excuse me? She said, well, you know the song. It's just like the song says. And she quoted a verse from a song to me like it was a scripture. Now, are there any traditions that are good? The answer is yes. You'll find in the New Testament that Paul refers to a couple of times in 2 Thessalonians, He talked about traditions he had delivered up to them that they were to keep. But of course, good traditions are going to be in agreement with the Word. And what we're talking about are traditions that are not in agreement with the Word, traditions that actually oppose the Word. Keep reading. He said, verse 9, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. He said, Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, 
If a man will say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, but whatever you might be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you've delivered and many such like things do ye. He gave them an example. He said, the scripture says, honor your father and mother. If you study uh, other passages, you'll see that Jesus interpreted honor father and mother as doing things for them financially and materially. You can see it right here. And he said that some of the people were saying, yeah, but I have dedicated my finances to God. So that means that I don't do anything for mom and dad anymore. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, to some people that don't know, I've dedicated my money to God. He said, you have rendered the word of God of no effect by your tradition. There are a lot of subtle things just like this. And we're going to get into some of them as we go along. And what's our phrase? I mean, I don't care if it's something you hear me say or something that you hear somebody else say. What's our phrase? Where's the scripture? Right? Where's the verse? And I don't mean half of a verse and a twisted interpretation. I mean the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If it's really a Bible doctrine, you'll find it in several places. Amen. And it'll be something solid that you can stand on. He said, you've made the word of God of no effect by your traditions. Now, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that the scripture says uh, in talking about this. The word vain is used. The scripture talks about a number of things. I want you to turn, please, to James, the first chapter. I'm not going to try to cover all this tonight. I just want to get started and lay a foundation. and We'll wrap it up with a to be continued. We're talking about truth or tradition. Truth or tradition. In James, the first chapter, and the 26th verse, you can just listen or you can read if you found it. James 1.26, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is what? It's vain or useless or empty. Empty religion. Now I'm going to, you're going to hear that word. King James uses the word vain. Other translations say empty or useless or unprofitable, but it's all the same thing. It's no good. Is there such thing as a no-good religion? We just got through reading. Are there people who go through the road of religious things? And yet, according to the Lord, He said it's vain. We just got through reading in Mark 7. He said, uh, their worship of me is vain because they're teaching the rules of men for doctrine. Vain worship. Vain religion. You know, the Bible talks about vain prayer. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that they're spinning wheels and they're counting things and they pray. Remember what Jesus said? 
Uh, was it Matthew 6 he talked about? When you pray, don't pray vain repetitions like the heathen do because they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Even when it comes, turn please to 1 Corinthians 13, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. You know, people have questions about tongues and about gifts of the Spirit. Well, these are real and they are for today. But they can be operated in a vain way. In 1 Corinthians 13, do you remember this? Verse 1, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Well, what good would that be? Is there such a thing as vain tongues? Vain repetitions? Vain worship? John 6.63, Jesus said, The words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. He said, The spirit quickens and gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And that's what we want to do. We want to identify what is just flesh. What is just man's ideas? Because really, that's useless, the Lord says. It's vain. Do you hear what we're talking about tonight? Are you with me at all? I mean, um, I don't know exactly where, how far we'll go with this, but I know I have something in my heart about it. And I've already, like I said, I've done this before, but I'm starting it again in my life, examining what I believe and why I believe it, because the Lord's dealing with me. There's a lot of wasted motion. There's a lot of wasted stuff in services. There's a lot of, wa- you know, take prayer. I believe in prayer. I think I probably prayed four hours today. I believe in it. I believe in praying in tongues. I believe in praying with your understanding. But do you know that you can absolutely waste your time praying? Do you know that there are a lot of prayers that you'd be better off not praying? I know I came to a service uh, one time. I was a guest speaker. And there were two or three ladies sitting on the front over here. And in the middle of my message, they just groaned and carried on and cried so mournful, so sad. And uh, it was very disruptive. It was very distracting. Next service, same thing. So I asked the pastor, I said, what's the story with these? I figured I knew what it was, but I asked, what's the story? He said, well, Brother Keith, they're intercessors. Well, I know a little something about intercession. Well, they're prayers. I, great, I believe in prayer. I know something about groaning. I know something about these things. But uh, he said, well, they're praying for you, Brother Keith. I said, well, I wish they'd quit. <laughs> he didn't understand. Why do you say that, Brother Keith? Because it was wrong. And it was just flesh. Did you hear me? You know, there's been times when people, I'm not going to talk about people, myself, years ago, that I cried and prayed half the night and it was wasted motion. Because I was praying in unbelief. Did you hear me? Feeling sorry for myself. God is not moved by you feeling sorry for yourself. Maybe grandma was. Maybe you could come in and act pitiful and 
And grandma would go, oh, baby, that, I'll take care of you. But God ain't that way. I'm telling you. He's not moved by you acting pitiful. He's not moved by crying and using up a whole box of Kleenex. He's not moved by how much you need something. He's not moved by how much you want something. If he was moved by needs, miracles would be happening all over this planet because there are needs everywhere. What's he moved by? Does anybody know? Faith. Faith. What is faith? Faith is confidence. Faith is knowing. Faith is assurance based on what he said. Can you say amen? So if you're not praying in faith, if you're not praying according to the word, it can be vain. So the Bible talks about vain worship, vain religion, vain praying. Notice in this same passage, keep reading in chapter 13. Verse 3, he said, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it doesn't profit me very much. Huh? What? How much does it profit you? Now, do you believe that? Did you hear what he said? If I... Give everything I've got. I sell my house, my car, my land, my clothes, my watch, and I give it to the poor. I give it all to the poor. If you don't do it right, if you don't do it from the right heart, the Lord says it does how much good? It profits nothing. Profits you nothing. Is that true? Well, then man, instead of just... Working, trying to get people to give instead of just working, trying to get people to pray instead of just working, trying to get people to do so. We need to focus on doing it right. Doing it properly. Doing it from the Word. Can you say amen? Everybody say, where's the verse? See, where's the scripture? That's what we're talking about. Turn to James. I'll try to wrap this up pretty quickly. James 2. Problem is, if you keep getting more interested, it makes me want to say something else. James 2. Tradition or truth? What are we basing our lives on? We're starting this church and ministry here. What's it going to be based on? We can just do things like other people do them. We can just do like what we have seen other people do. I don't want to do that. Do you? I want to know where's the verse. Right? And uh, we may do some things differently. I'm open. I've laid in the floor and said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. You want us to have a midnight service? We'll have a midnight service. What do you want us to do? I'm open. You know, so much of what people think is Christian is just tradition. Do you know that? You know, there are people that think you can't be a good Christian if you got a tattoo. Or if you got an earring or a nose ring. Hmm? There are people think you can't go to heaven if you smoke or drink. Where's the verse? Where's the verse? 
Well, you sure couldn't go to heaven if you committed suicide. Where's the verse? You know where the verse is? But see, people believe these kind of things. They say, well, you know, the Bible said God won't put more on you than you can stand. Where is that verse? I've looked for it. I can't find that verse. Where's it at? How many know what I'm talking about? What you believe. Somebody said first confusions. Yeah. And second imaginations. But all in the book of traditions. But do you understand that people will fight you over their traditions? Oh, man. Now, I wish I could just tell you that I think all this is just going to be wonderful and cozy and smooth sailing. Everybody's going to love us, but I know better. We're going to love them. But we may say something. Well, no, may we will say some things that rub some traditions. And why? Because I'm just wanting to stir some up. No, because if you're operating on tradition, what the Bible say, it's vain, it's empty, and it is rendering the word of God of no effect in your life. What could be worse than that? We don't want the word to be of no effect. We want the word to work in our lives. We want the results of the word. And what you've got is this tradition in the place of the word. It's filling up the place in people's hearts and lives that the word's supposed to have. You know, people do things spiritually, sometimes out of a desire. They want God. They're hungry. But in their hunger and in their ignorance, they come up with some replacement things. Sometimes people are, you know, they try too hard. They're pushing too hard. They're trying to get a hold of God. And in their desire, they manufacture stuff. They manufacture simulated joy. Simulated spirit. Manifestations of the spirit. Simula people try to prophesy to each other. They try to do things. And, you know, in their zeal but ignorance, it's flesh. And it's vain. You know, the scripture says not to despise prophesying. Do you remember that? First Thessalonians. Well, you know, there's a reason why he said that is because if you look at first Corinthians. They had so much tongues and interpretation and prophecy. And a lot of it was flesh and was wrong. They needed some correction. And so he said to them, you know, don't despise it. There was a Bible study. Some uh, supposed to have been a prayer meeting. But most of what they did was prophesy to each other. And uh, one person, you know, these couple hadn't got there and it had been 30 minutes since they're supposed to be there. And one lady popped up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord, they're not coming. And uh, just in a few minutes, they started pulling up in the driveway. So she popped up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord. They changed their minds. They'll be pulling up just any minute. One fellow popped up and said, uh, Yay, my little children, if you are my little children, don't be afeard if you are afeard. But if you are afeard, I'm not afraid, that's okay. I get afeard myself sometimes. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, where's the verse? <laughs> you ever read a verse where God got afraid? <laughs> One fellow, bless his heart, he, there was a 
ministers from all over the city had come and gathered. And numerous ones of them didn't believe in tongues and gifts of the Spirit and those kind of things. And, you know, the Bible gives you some instruction. When you're around people that are ignorant of these things, then you don't do some of these things. Is that right? Isn't that 1 Corinthians? But this guy, bless his heart, he, I guess, you know, sometimes people are just trying to impress other folk with their spirituality. And so he's trying to minister to everybody. And he said, uh, he said, brother, 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 so the Lord shows me that you're going to have a real music ministry, that you, yeah, yeah. And the guy said, man, I, my wife don't even want me to sing in the shower. <laughs> and uh, I got no desire to sing. He called out to another guy. He said, brother, he said, the Lord shows me that you have a position high up in the city, high up in the city. He said, well, I, I ride the back of a garbage truck. And he went on person after person. And finally, he got on this thing about Vern. He said, there's somebody here named Vern. Somebody here named Vern. Vern? Lord's got a word for you. Vern? And I don't mean a minute. Minute after minute. How many of two minutes can seem like a long time of that? Vern? Vern? God's got... And, and finally... One of the other ministers that wasn't charismatic, that didn't, he stepped up and said, Thus says the Lord, Vern's not here. <laughs> well, with all that stuff going on, you could see why he would say, don't despise it. Because you hear all that stuff and a lot of it's flesh. You could get to where when somebody popped up and said, Thus says the Lord, you go, ah, yeah, right. But this time it might be. Hmm? So you have to watch about getting calloused and hardened to things. But what we do want to do is eliminate all the flesh and all the stuff and have the real. How many want the real? I, not just a bunch of jump and hype and a bunch of big fluff and cotton candy. Yeah, let's have joy. Yeah, let's praise God. But let's have the real thing. Amen, based on the real word, based out of a true heart. Amen, no phoniness, no fakery, no facade, no front. I know I've had the privilege of serving with Dr. Kenneth Hagin for a number of years. And the first uh, meeting I went on with him, he took me and Phyllis and I to speak. We were riding to the meeting in the car. He wanted to sit in the back, so I'm sitting in front of him. And then I was so, you know, didn't want to say anything and, and, and show my ignorance. I was very, very young, and I'm just trying to be quiet and be cool. And, and it got real quiet in the car. And he reached up and grabbed the back of my seat that I'm sitting in and just shook it. I mean, shook it like this, shook it. I mean, my head shaking. He said, whoo, whoo, whoo. He said, boy, you feel that? I thought, oh, God. Because I didn't feel a thing. I thought, oh man, here I am with this man of God. And I said, uh, no, sir. No, sir. He said, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought many a time, what if I, huh? What if I said, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, whoo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, whoo, yeah, was this. <laughs> when it comes to things of the Spirit, 
It either is or it's not. You either know or you don't. Right? You either have it. They're real. Sometimes people think they're not. They think, oh, y'all are just putting on a bunch of stuff. And some people do. But there is the real thing. Amen? How many want the real thing? Sit out loud with me. I want the real thing. I want to say it again. I want, say it with me. I want the real thing. Tell the Lord, Lord, we want the real thing. We want the real move of your spirit. The real worship. Real faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know you're holding a place there in James, but for time's sake, I'm not going there. I'm going to save this for later. But just go with me in closing to Matthew, the 23rd chapter. I think this will be our last verse. Matthew 23. In this scripture, Jesus made another very enlightening statement. Matthew 23. He said in verse 23, Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithes of mint and anise or dill and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Say that word out loud, weightier. Are there things that are more important to God than other things? Yes, there are. He went on to say, the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These things ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides which strain or filter out a gnat and swallow or gulp an entire camel. He said, you know, you go out in your garden. And you make sure you tithe off of every tomato plant. You tithe off of every cucumber vine. You tithe off your deal. You get your markers and your knives and you measure 10% exactly. And you make sure you give that 10% to the Lord. But all the while, you're ignoring the justice and judgment of God. You're ignoring the mercy of God. You're ignoring the faith of God. I'd like for you to believe with me. And I want us to major on the majors, not the minors. Amen? If you want to wear overalls to church, wear overalls. If you want long hair, wear long hair. If you want five nose rings, wear them. Did you hear me? If you got a problem with drinking, don't run from God. Come to God. Amen. If you got a problem with drugs, don't say, well, you know, God don't care anything about me because I got a drug problem. He cares about you. Drug problem and all. Amen. And we care about you. Did you hear me? And most people that are having problems in their life, they already know they got problems. They don't need somebody to tell them and make them feel guilty and make them feel bad about it. They already feel bad about it. And some things that people think such a big deal is not nearly, you know, I think sometimes some cuss words are not as bad as some people talking doubt and unbelief. Did you hear me? Doubt and unbelief will flat kill you. Talk in fear. And somebody that might have a 
you know, eating or a drinking or some kind of habit that's a problem to them, it may not be nearly as serious as some heart problems that some other people have. Some folk are just nasty, judgmental. You know what I'm saying? Think they got it together so good. None of us know it all. None of us have it all. But I want a major on the majors. Anybody with me on that? What's the majors with God? I mean, if you read over in Romans and you read over in other places, he said, if you love your neighbor, if you do no harm or no ill to your neighbor, you have fulfilled the whole law. Amen. I want God, you know, you understand God is love, right? I want every chair in this place permeated with love. So when people sit down and they just go, whoo. I want love in the parking lot. I want love, amen, in every nursery. I want love every part of this place and everybody's face and everybody's eyes and the tone of everybody's voice. And I want folk to know you can get help here. We don't know everything, but we'll believe with you the best we know. Amen. And we won't judge you because, hey, we got problems. We've had problems ourselves. Right? But stand on your feet and let's pray this prayer out loud and join with me, if you would, in agreement that we are not going to just have vain worship, vain prayer, vain faith, vain words, but we want the Lord to show us what is tradition and what is truth. Will you pray this prayer with me? And when you do, do you understand that He will? He's going to put his finger on some things in your life tonight and tomorrow. And you're just going to look at it and go, where's the verse? <laughs> and you're not going to be able to find the verse. So then what are you going to do? Eh, well, I don't care who believes. I don't care if it's been believed in my family for 12 generations. If it's not in the Bible, it's not worthy of facing your life. Pray this out loud with me, please. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you Thank you for your spirit. Lord, we ask you, open our eyes, our ears, our heart, show us what is tradition and what is truth. Show us what's weighty and important to you and what is not important to you. Show us what you value and what you despise. We want what you want. Help us to major on what's important to you and build our life on the solid foundation of the truth of your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Won't you put your hands up and thank you. Just close your eyes. Thank him a little bit. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for doing the work in hearts and minds. Thank you for shining the light. Thank you for revealing truth. Thank you for shining the light on darkness and confusion and misunderstanding and showing us what is the truth. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.